Hey guys, just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to Sidebar Forever. If you like the show, please subscribe to us at sidebarforever.com as well as share episodes of the podcast on your social media. That way, new listeners can find us as well. Call me Snake. It's the 40th anniversary of John Carpenter's Escape from New York, and we are here to pay tribute along with the rest of the marauding crazies. Now, this is one of my favorite films in the Carpenter filmography. One might say it's A number one, released in 1981 on a budget of just $6 million. Escape from New York was a bona fide hit that soon grossed over $25 million at the box office. Years later, it found a new audience of fans via constant rotation on cable TV and then through VHS and DVD rentals. Directed by John Carpenter and co-written with Nick Castle, the film stars Kurt Russell as the anti-hero Snake Plissken, Lee Van Cleef as the manipulative Hauk, Donald Pleasance as the president, Ernest Borgnine as the chatty Cabby, Harry Dean Stanton as Brain, the vivacious Adrian Barbeau as Maggie, and Isaac Hayes as the ruthless Duke of New York. Simply put, I absolutely love this movie, and despite it being obviously dated in a few regards, I still highly recommend it as a classic and for anyone interested in dystopian and police state films. I'm Adrian Johnson. Dwight and Swain were with me as we flew to Gulf Fire over Leningrad. We knew how to get in quiet. We're all you've got. <laughs> but seriously, Please enjoy today's podcast as we play back the milestone 40th anniversary of John Carpenter's Escape from New York. You guys know that I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of John Carpenter, right? I mean, it's no surprise yeah. to you guys, yep. as yeah. well as like yep. other longtime <laughs> listeners of the show. You know, that's how I yep. get down and right. everything. Right. And you know, Right. This year, you know, I was thinking about it and um, Swain confirmed it for me the other day, you know, just saying, hey, you mm -hmm. know, this is the 40th anniversary of Escape from New York. I was like, oh, right. yeah, that's right. I had to do some quick math. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So I was like, all right, cool, cool, cool. So we thought that it would be, you know, apropos to do an episode on mm -hmm. it. Now, we had kind of touched on it uh, before on our previous incarnation when we did our John right. Carpenter tribute. You know what I'm saying? Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mm -hmm. but that was more of a an overall view of his career, you know, and mm -hmm. most of his right. movies, you know, to a point <laughs> for a purpose. But, um, <laughs> but this go around, we're going to be focusing on perhaps, perhaps my favorite of Carpenter Films, Escape from okay. New York. Came out July of 1981. Uh, stars uh, Kurt Russell, uh, Donald Pleasance, um, and almost the usual troupe, if you will, of Carpenter regulars. You know what I'm saying? Yes, like you got, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, you got Adrian Barbeau, um, I think Charles Cyphers, Tom Atkins, but also, let's not forget mm -hmm. Adrian Barbeau. I did say Adrian Barbeau, right? 
Yeah. Well, well you know, there's, there's, there's two of them to be concerned with, so, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it also stars uh, Lee Van Cleef, uh, Ernest Borgnine. Yes. Uh, Isaac Hayes. Ernie. Yeah. Yeah. Hot yeah. buttered popcorn. <laughs> and, Hot buttered soul. There bro. we go. Thank you. Thank you. And Harry Dean Stanton. And, um. Right. Yeah, man, this this movie here, man, it, it's um, it's one of those things to where it still impacts popular culture. I mean, almost from the outset, mm-hmm. you know, Escape mm-hmm. from New York just made its impact on popular culture, be it, you know, Snake Plissken himself, you know, just mm-hmm. as an iconic figure, one of the more iconic um, characters that Carpenter created, you know, in addition to the shape mm-hmm. and Jack Burton, of course. Um, mm-hmm. but also just in the popular imagination, you know, and we had discussed this again on the uh, previous incarnation, but it bears repeating here. New York at the time is coming out of the seventies, right? And mm-hmm. New York at the time was considered just crime infested, just, oh, just, just like someplace where it was like, man, if you go there, some, in some parts of the city, many parts of the city, you took your life into your own hands. You know what I'm saying? That so type bro, of thing. coming back. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You ain't from around here, are you? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, it already had that reputation coming out of the 70s. And I suppose, you know, that the movie itself started brewing in the heads of uh, John Carpenter and his uh, co-writer, uh, Nick Castle, probably at some point during the 70s as well, as well, you know, in the midst of this. You know what I'm saying? So, once it came out, just the title alone, Escape from New York, is just so omnipresent in a popular imagination as like, wow, you would turn one of the world's most famous cities into a maximum security prison. That's just too tantalizing to not go see. You know what I'm saying? Well, Manhattan, Manhattan in particular, since it was an island, mm-hmm. it had all the makings and trappings of being just that, a prison. So yeah. if you can cut off the necessary veins and stuff and arteries to it, you can yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and no, you're, and you're right. And um, um, at, at that time in, in, in the early 1980s, in terms of major cities, really we were just talking about, in terms of uni- cities within the United States, we're really talking about L.A. and New York. Right. You know, mm-hmm. hence why the sequel is set in L.A. It's only now where, you know, when we talk about major cities in, in, in the United States, we actually do include like maybe Chicago or, you know, Miami or Philadelphia or maybe even like a Dallas or something like that. But really, back then, it was just L.A. and New York. The hubs of most major industries were either in Los Angeles or were in New York. And like Adrian was saying you know, you had uh, like a police strike and a garbage strike. You had crime. Muggings were, mm-hmm. New York was probably number one for muggings and, and for murder for many years uh, during the decade mm-hmm. of the 70s. So going into the 80s, yeah, that ep- that reputation was well earned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So hence you have the movie comes out, you know, and at this point of his career, Carpenter is a pretty young guy he's in his early 30s he might have been just about Mm. 30 you know just a little past Mm. it so he has this vitality to his works i mean he's coming off hot off of you know halloween and then also the fog and then also the elvis television movie with kurt russell was led (laughs) into that collaboration into this you know what i'm saying (laughs) 
and right. is right. definitely you know one of those artist director um one of those actor director teams that's just like hand in glove you know what i'm saying mm. uh just works so mm -hmm. beautifully um well let me let me start here when was the first time you guys saw escape from new york man because it, it was always omnipresent on cable you know and things like that but when was the first time you guys saw the movie itself uh, I think for me, it was the first time I saw it was on, on like WGNX channel forty six. Ah, there you mm -hmm. go. <laughs> and, and and I and I because at the time was it was it was rated R, and of course I wasn't seeing rated R movies back then. So you know, it was, I was too young to see rated R movies. So I, I had to see um, only what I could see on, on national television. So and and it, um, it earned the R, but at the same time, I can't see why it was R because yeah, it was violent, but I, did, I never saw. I didn't see any flesh. I did see a hint of a scene that was kind of rapey. wasn't quite sure. I, mean, I that wasn't was going quite. On. It was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not quite. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, no, but but I couldn't tell because it was it was like it was low lit and it was just like there, you know, it was, it was strange. It wasn't like anyway, just like it was like any sex going on. I was just pushing people around back and forth or whatever the case. It was just weird. It was weird. It was like she, did she get mugged. What the hell's going on? Is she dancing. What the hell's going it on? Went all it, was, it was weird. <laughs> but anyway, um, so anyway, um, the. Uh, you know, I saw on WGNX and Channel 46, and it was always the, the cleanup version. So the, the, so the curse words weren't there. Yeah. It was always just, you know, it was just always just a, a interrupted by commercials, you know, um, darkness and, and green and, 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 and pallor and, and, and orange of, of John Carpenter's normal scenes. And I appreciate it more now because I could see, like, his, his attempt to, to light certain scenes with the fires mm -hmm. and, and put, them, put them in the right place to make sure you, that... that those certain things were lit appropriately so it can, it can engage in the scene. So I have a great appreciation for it now that I did then. But, it was, you know, it was never, never, those kinds of things were never really... I like the science fiction element to it, but it was, never really my, it was never really my joint. But now seeing it again, it's like, wow. I see all kinds of things that now, Adrian. I see, um, I see the, uh, how Yoji Shinkawa and how um, Hideo Kojima were influenced with, with, snake, with snake from the uh, Metal Gear Solid. Heavily. Mm -hmm. Heavily. Mm -hmm. All throughout. All throughout, yes. man. Even, even when... When was Snake's first gliding, using, using the, the glider plane to get to the, the Twin Towers, which is really sad to see, actually. Uh, I, I got to admit, I kind of, I felt some kind of way when I saw the Twin Towers, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, it, it, the glider plane, he, he took the colors from the, from the, from the aqua, the, the torpedo that he had inside when Snake was first going through Metal Gear Solid Part 1, and the same colors in the, in the, in the game are in the, are in the, in the, uh, were in the movie. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow, that's, that's cool. That's cool. So, I, but yeah, that's my first memory of... of uh, of the movie yeah probably the same for me I, I think probably seeing it on television and seeing an edited version of it mm -hmm. uh because i was still in high school when uh when the movie came out i was maybe 14 or maybe 14 or 15 and then mm -hmm. later you know saw the uncut version on vhs and then mm -hmm. eventually on cable and and, and dvd etc that seems to be like a recurring thing for me mm. is uh is catching up with a lot of things that i missed in the previous decade you know, once it became va right. available, well, I could rewind it and, and watch it, you know, quote, on demand. Right. But um, mm -hmm. but that was probably it. And actually, you know, so watching the movie, I remember watching the movie when I was younger and realizing that I had seen Kurt Russell in other things as a child actor. I had seen him in, you know, like Disney movies, uh, you know, The Strongest Man in the World and uh, the computer wore what, tennis, tennis shoes, shoes. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and you know, back in the in the late seventies, mid to late seventies, you know, movie movie of the week was a real thing. 
So I do mm-hmm. remember seeing that Elvis movie that he was in. Yeah. And and thinking, yeah. okay, okay, these okay, he I guess he's Elvis. Exactly. You know, I, I, don't I don't know. know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But but um but definitely like uh you know, like Dwight was saying, you know, um I think probably the R rating that the movie received was because it was so creepy and because yeah. it was the specter of a violence, film. you yeah. know, and it's like prison violence and, and lawlessness mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And I think it was more like, you know, the, 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 the fear of, of putting an, you know, imagery like that on the screen of, of, you know, a society kind of sinking into this kind of, you know, chaotic, you know, this night marauders and all this kind of stuff. I think that was probably, mm-hmm. probably a large part of it. Because the, the woman that we're talking about who, who got assaulted, they did actually rip her top off. Right. But like okay. you said, it is it is kind of poorly lit and kind of in the background where you kind of don't quite know what's going on at first. And then you realize, oh, OK, these guys right. are, you know, you know, disgusting. So, um, yeah. Yeah. But that that's probably same the same for me. And then, you know, saw it later on um, and, um, you know, and, and, and appreciated it for, you know, for what it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, for myself, I actually saw it first on DVD um, because I actually went backwards. Um, I was previously familiar with Carpenter for um, Halloween, which I saw in my late teens. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got a copy of Assault on Precinct 13, the original on DVD. That was like, okay, I think I'm a John Carpenter fan now. You know what I'm saying? Like for real, for mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. And so I went back mm-hmm. and started getting mm-hmm. his movies. And shortly thereafter, in my early 20s, I got a copy of Escape from New York on DVD. And I was blown away. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. man, man, this is, man, this is, this is crazy. This is great, man. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. And it cemented for me Carpenter being this auteur. You know what I'm saying? Not only did he, you know, co-write the thing and direct it, obviously, but he also co-wrote the music for it as well. You know, and his hand mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. so present in it, but you don't feel like it's overbearing. You know what I mean? And just the whole thing, the whole thing, you know, with the the over the overarching just 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 the darkness. You know, I was um, commenting earlier today to you guys in the text, you know, saying there are very few directors outside of maybe John Carpenter or Michael Mann who make nighttime streets look legitimately dangerous you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like it could be a combination of the type of film stock they were using back then the lighting which is ah just something else that was just so great about you know this movie it's a combination of Mm -hmm. that and everything that just made it look like okay like something could just pop out at any minute you know what i'm saying it Mm -hmm. just made those alleyways seem even darker than they normally would Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And just, mm-hmm. man, I, I love it. That's like one of my favorite things about the movie. Just the, just the darkness and the, the lighting of it. And then outside of that, of course, you know, Snake Plissken, you know, Kurt Russell as that iconic character, you know, just really does it for me. And just, it's almost like when people, you know, categorize Escape as like an action adventure, it's not a lot of action. It really isn't. But it's, <laughs> but it's more Mm-mm. on the side of adventure, and you have to make that distinction. Mm. You know, action would be something mm. like what he did later on with you know Tango and Cash. That's just pure action. Right. You know what I'm saying? Whereas right. 
Right. The adventure part is something that's unfolding and we're along for the ride. We're following the character to see where this is going. That's adventure. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of leads more mm -hmm. towards like melodramatic adventure, if you will. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. with, with, with guns. And it's on a time limit. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and so for those who aren't familiar, the plot of the movie is, is that uh, Kurt Russell is Snake Plissken. Um, he is arrested for a bank robbery. A break, uh, he is arrested for a bank robbery here in Atlanta, if you can believe that. <laughs> and we'll get uh, more, yes. more of that in okay. a minute. But um, yeah. but yeah, man. Um, so they take him up to Liberty Island in New York and they get ready to transfer mm -hmm. him to this maximum security prison on the island of Manhattan. 50 foot wall, sir. That's 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 maximum. <laughs> <laughs> and all of the bridges are mined and monitored. So if you try to cross the bridges, you'll get blown to pieces. Mm -hmm. Like it's like you once you're in there, you're in there. And every person who's committed like violent crimes and all of that, they're basically sentenced there for life. Everybody in the in the country who commits these violent crimes they're put in this in this penitentiary in Manhattan for life. That's where they are. There are no guards in there. It's just once you dropped in there, it's just you know, and for yourself, you know, sink or swim. You know, survive, survival of the fittest. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. So in the midst of that, the plane, the um, president's plane, Air Force One, you know, goes down um, at the hands of terrorists, and he escapes into an escape pod somewhere mm -hmm. in the midst of this prison. You know, amongst all of mm -hmm. these prisoners. And Snake mm -hmm. is sent by uh, Hawk. Uh, what's it? Uh, I forget mm -hmm. if, I forget his rank. Lee, 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 Lee Van Cleef. Yeah, right. Lee Van Cleef's character, um, Hawk. He makes a deal with uh, Snake. You go in, you'll be pardoned for your crimes. You have 22 hours. Because you already wasted two hours with this bullshit. So you got 22 hours <laughs> to go in there and fight the president. In 22 hours, the Hartford summit meeting will be over. China and the Soviet Union will go back home. Now, the president was on his way to this summit when his plane went down. He has a briefcase attached to his wrist. The tape recording inside has to reach Hartford in 22 hours. What's on it? You know anything about nuclear fusion? The survival of the human race, Pliskin. Something you don't give a shit about. And as <laughs> yeah, Pliskin says, well, what if I'm late? Don't be late. But just to make sure you're implanted with right. these two little things that are in your arteries heading to your heart. And it can make a pinhole pop just big enough to pop your arteries if you don't make it mm -hmm. back with the president in time. Bleed out. Exactly. Right. Bleed out. Yeah, yeah. You know, so Pliskin promises Hawk. When I get back, I'm going to kill you. And thus, the adventure starts. And, right. so, and so, yeah, so, man, once the adventure starts, man, you know, the, upon my rewatch, and one of the things that continues to grow on me is just how, how 70s this movie is right into the early 80s. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, be mm -hmm. it uh, Kurt Russell's perfectly coughed hair, you know, that long kind of 70s <laughs> hair. But it works, though. It works. And how um, he dresses, too. Now, you got to keep in mind, the punk movie had just happened maybe a few years prior to this. It was starting to peter out by, like, 
81, you know what I'm saying, and turn into like this new romantic type thing, you know what I mean? But he still dresses like a punk, you know, like everything's kind of put together. He has like this this kind of punk shirt with the camouflage pants and the... Uh, Muscle shirt. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, <laughs> the leather jacket and everything. And, and, and of course, the eye patch, which led me to think about something else. Do y'all remember this? Um, there's a character on Days of Our Lives. I don't know why I thought about this. You know who I'm talking about? It's a character that was on Days of Our Lives, I think, and his name was Patch. And I had always wondered, since I saw Escape, I wonder if they were influenced by this movie. You know what I'm saying? Because Patch was a very mm. popular character. Had the longish hair, okay. just like Kurt Russell and everything. You know what I'm saying? So I just thought that that was interesting. very interesting. interesting. You know what I mean? But, you know, also, you know, with this, you know, you also have uh, a, a very strong streak of, you know, um, you, can, and you can see a lot of carpenter in there as well. This like anti-establishment, you know, type of feeling that is embodied right. in Snake also, you know what I'm saying? So, there, so there's a lot there, you know, that, you know, really is it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes an actor takes a character and a lot of that character embodies the director's point of view. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like mm-hmm. the best oh, yeah. actor and director teams, you find that the actor is the alter ego of that, of that director, in, in a sense. There's, there's an example of that with uh, uh, Richard Dreyfuss as an actor, where you have a lot of nerdy directors... Mm. Who feel like they're smart and they're charming, but their their smartness and their charmness is always over overwhelmed by the fact that they're you know a little socially awkward and they're not they're not great in people situations. Mm. So Dreyfus being an avatar for someone like Steven Spielberg and other directors, they would cast him to be them mm-hmm. in mm. the movie to be the kind of smart nerdy guy who's a little more charming, who's a little better you know better spoken and, and eloquent who actually has a little more of a way with the ladies, he would kind of be an avatar for them. And um, mm. so I think that there's, there's definitely that for sure. Um, to what you were saying about the action, though, of the 70s, Adrian, I think you're right, man. You know, I, I probably personally would never have described this as an adventure movie because it's, it's so dour and it is so dark. Mm. But I think action in the 70s just meant shooting and killing. <laughs> Sure. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It didn't. Inf- running, it didn't mean running. like yeah. long, long drawn out fist fights or martial arts, or you know bombs blowing people across the street, or you know any of the things that we saw in the '80s where they took that stuff and they ramped it up times ten. Right. Action was just like like Fr- French Connection is an action movie to some extent by '70s standards. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm sure some people would refer to it as that because of the time period. So, and I was going to ask you as it relates to Snake being iconic and what he was wearing and how he looked. Would it be fair to say that he's probably one of the first characters to come out of cinema who was iconic visually for like an urban fiction, an urban fantasy kind of a thing? In other words, where he's not a cop wearing a suit or he's not a bad guy wearing a suit or wearing, a, you know, whatever. He's wearing something specific that speaks to the the kind of movie that he's in, and it is specifically urban and specifically fantasy at the same time. Like you know the, you know like like what he looked, what he's wearing is kind of ridiculous, but it's awesome. Yeah. 
for the movie. Like if you you know somebody dressed mm-hmm. like that in real, well, I guess you could dress like that in real life now and it'd be yeah. fine. But. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, that's all. That's all I thought. I was thinking, yeah, I, he might be one of the first um, to really kind of do that, you know. Um, so anyway, well, one of the things that definitely says the '70s to me, Adrian, is the fact that it's it comes from that that, that future now perspective. Mm. Like okay. This is what the future is going to be. This is 1999. Right. You kind of missed the mark there. You know? um, and, and, and I get it because, you know, there's no way really, truly to really, you know, think, think of that far and see what's going to happen, what's going to change. But it's like when you see those, those, those graphics, those computer graphics, dog, it's like, wow. Yeah, this is definitely not 1999, man. This this is this is barely nineteen eighty right here. <laughs> but you know what? It was, that, it was that that evident. But you know what's funny? It's charming. Don't get it wrong. Yeah, I, I was gonna say like yeah, like that's but that stuff for the time, man. Some of it still kind of holds up to me, you know. And that could be my favoritism speaking, but some right, of that stuff right. still looks very strong to me. It's still very good. Like I, I, I would say to your point, I would say that the the the, the airplane graphics for the glider that still kind of holds up a little bit. But the other stuff with the the, the computer, the big computers in the background with the, with the jumpy <laughs> graphics and the from 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 six, borrowed from six million dollar man set, and, you know, and and, the, and and you know the you know that stuff is like okay, yeah, this is this is not what, what the, the, <laughs> the future is now. What 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 stood up from stood what still holds up for me, and any movie that's over like twenty some odd years, you almost have to kind of give forgive it for, you know, for special effects because special effects mm-hmm. were changing. You know, with each decade, mm-hmm. maybe now it's probably changing with every, you know, every five years. But the mm-hmm. things that held up for me were like the casting choices. Mm. I thought most of the characters, I thought Harry Dean Stanton was just OK as Brain. I don't think he, I didn't think mm-hmm. he was great in that performance, uh, mm-hmm. his performances uh, as Brain. But I thought that mm-hmm. uh, Adrian Barbeau as Maggie was great. I thought mm-hmm. Isaac Hayes, even though he's not really an actor, I thought he was great. You know, he had a physical mm-hmm. presence. And he was kind of kind of stoic in a way that worked. Yeah. You know, um, and I thought, you know, Russell as the as the hero was fine. I thought Hulk as the as the shrewd manipulating bastard was perfect casting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, 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 good. And the last I was going to say is, is some of the shots that he some of the shots I thought were great. You know, like uh, when they're running alongside the train and, and you so you kind of see the. Um, you kind of see the uh, the uh, the um, the leading lines of the train, and they're kind of running towards the camera. Um, some of the lighting, some of the lighting, like when um, when Snake walks into Hulk's office for the first time, oh, he's, he's standing, standing in there. the doorway, and he's standing in, oh, and so half of his body is cast in shadow. So from the top up, it's all shadow and silhouette, and you can just see. And so that was very like, oh, that's a great shot. Yes, you know, and and, and of course done intentionally to you know to make him look more you know, more formidable and more like, you know, ominous. So I think mm-hmm. some of, some of, some of his, the directing stuff, which, you know, if John Carpenter were 30 today and he had all the, you know, the tools and the, and the, uh, and the tricks and, and the VFX that we have sure. available today, you know, who knows what he would, he would, he would be, you know, he would do or, or, you know, different choices he might make. But um, yeah, but some of the, all the other stuff you have to kind of forgive, you yeah. know, like everybody's idea of computers until about, what the year 1998 mm-hmm. 99 2000 right. everybody's idea of what computers were going to be were like get out of here even right. even how with that big ass phone yo 
<laughs> he put a damn Samsonite up to his ear. Okay. <laughs> I'm coming right down. Warm, warm up the chopper. <laughs> but, but, but to your point, though, man, you know, uh, you know I'll say this. I, I thoroughly enjoy Ernest Borgnine, man. Yeah. I mean, that's my boy, yo. Ernest, yes. He, he killed his, his cabbie, yo. He, he, he had the right amount of, he had the right amount of, hey. of, of, of urgency. Hey, he, aren't you Snake aren't Plissken? You? <laughs> I thought you were dead. And he, and he, and he, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, that right amount of like, like, like fifties and sixties kind of, kind of nostalgic vibe to him, like yeah. a, a real cabbie. Yeah. So I, I, it, was, it was sad to see him go, man. But I, I tell you what, as far as uh, special effects goes, I know it was phony and fake. But when the cab blew up in two pieces. That on, was on the bridge. Yeah, that that, that shit worked for me. That shit did. That, that, shit that, that for did me, work yo. for me too, yo. It did, yo. And yes. even yes. even though they shot them, even though they shot this this next scene in different times or part of it, when uh, when um, when brain gets blown up on the bridge, and then Maggie says, "Give me the gun," and she's you know she's going to square off mm -hmm. against uh, uh, the Duke, and then the Duke is barreling down on her in that in that hopped up Cadillac. That bro head. She's right. shooting at him. <laughs> Yeah, yo, <laughs> with the chandeliers, yo. The chandeliers. <laughs> and she's shooting at him, shooting at him, shooting at him, and then he hits her and, and cram, bam. And then you, yeah. uh, and I, in my, uh, I was watching some uh, some documentary on, on documentaries on the movie, and they actually shot that scene of her lying in her own blood under the car afterwards. They shot it like in, uh, in a garage, garage or, or her right? garage. Yeah, they just okay. shot it later and they added it in. But that worked for me where I was like, damn, that's a cold motherfucker, boy. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally, man. Yeah, and man. and, and it, suff it suffice to say that was another point I wanted to make too. Was just like the practical effects in this movie are so mm -hmm. good, so good. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And you know, one of the practical, one of the people who was helping out with the practical effects was one young James Cameron. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. So he was a special effects supervisor. I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. You know what I'm saying? Cutting his teeth, yeah. yeah. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Like, he was doing matte paintings as well. Like, when the chopper is coming in, it's daytime, right? And the chopper's coming mm -hmm. in with, like, stuff. And the people, and, like, some of the prisoners are out there in that field. The buildings mm -hmm. in the background, that's a painting that he did on glass. So he had mm -hmm. to get it just oh. right, painted out there. And so they would match up with like the um, with like the horizon, horizon. of like the trees mm -hmm. and the grass. And man, you couldn't tell yeah. until I yeah, yeah. couldn't tell yeah, man. until I saw a still picture of him later working on that. I was like, oh man, that was a that wow. was a matte painting. Wow. What? That's impressive. That's yeah, impressive. man. Yeah. So so you do have to wonder as well, you know. And I think Cameron has said this also. He's kind of confirmed it. You know, that he did take some influence from working on Carpenter, you know what I'm saying? And that whole aesthetic of like this pervading darkness, you know, these dark mm -hmm. alleys and just the whole aesthetic of how Carpenter was shooting, especially the nighttime scenes. You can kind of see an example of that and influence of that, you know, when he did um, Terminator, the, the first Terminator, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and I think for a lot of filmmakers as well you know, of that generation, the younger set, you know, they kind of looked at Carpenter as more like, you know, it would be like Spielberg you would aspire to because he was the gold standard around that time, him and George Lucas, you know, in that mm -hmm. whole that whole era. But Carpenter was very mm -hmm. much more um, approachable. Like, I think I can do that. And, and mm -hmm. Carpenter, you know, really had 
that type of influence. Like, well, not only am I writing this, not only am I, you know, directing this, I'm also doing the music, um, you know, having my hands in all this. So, yeah, it just really was an influence to younger filmmakers to think I could probably do something like this, man. You know? Yeah, I, I, I got I got good. I got, I got to say, man. I, I, while I, I respect the 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 the, the veracity of, of of what he did as far as covering many different different hats, carrying many different hats on his head, I have to say that the music piece of it for me, man, I found to be like really, really, and and this is intentional, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But to, to have the same kind of dirge and 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 lack of sound <laughs> and just just it's one continuous annoying, like like vibe to the entire thing, it very much was reminiscent of Halloween for me. It just carried through to. His ability, it just didn't. It just didn't. It didn't do it for me, man. It was, it was like, dude. I mean, I, I just. I mean, I was looking for a soundtrack or anything, but I was looking for some 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 elements of of, of change. It, it felt it felt so so drab and dreary, which is adds to the the necessity of, of the of the moment. I get it, but I, I still, occasionally like a little. You take me out of that, so I can appreciate the points where when they need to be punctuated, so it makes it more interesting, more action oriented. That'd be my one criticism as far as that goes. Well, the one thing I will say, D, to your point. You know, I can see what you're saying. And, and by the way, that's one of my favorite soundtracks. I, 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 I have it on my iPod. You know, I've always loved that okay. soundtrack. <laughs> and okay. the part where sometimes where that music matches up perfectly, it's like, okay, when he gets into the Gulf Fire, the glider, and, you know, he's powering mm-hmm. everything up, there's that great shot, great shot of, like, his hair, this perfectly coiffed hair is, you know, rim-lighted by the red, and if he turns yeah. on everything, yeah. that green fades into his face. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. oh my God, hell yeah. You know, and then that particular track, as it comes up, the music comes up, syncs perfectly. It's perfect. And I can see as far as like mm-hmm. other things, you know, as far as what you're saying, like, yeah, it is like yeah, he's, he's going to the streets and you know, he's going to the streets and it's just meow, 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 I like all that, uh, yo. Yeah, I like, I liked it. I mean, I, mean, I, I get it. No, I, 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 go ahead. I was just, go ahead. No, I, I know what you're saying, but it, like even what you what you mentioned before, even when the music's not playing, because of the nature of synth as a soundtrack especially the way that that he freaks it it's almost like there is a 60 cycle hum that's continuously going on throughout the course of the movie to keep the tension so even when snake makes joke jokes snake what are you doing i'm playing with myself you know uh, you know even when he makes jokes they're jokes but they're not like ha 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 jokes like a marvel moment joke it's like I'm making this joke because I might fucking die trying to do this shit. So, you know, I don't really care whether you're offended or not. But I I liked all of that stuff. And I think you see quite a bit of that in a lot of 70s horror. Um, That's one of the reasons why the soundtrack to Stranger Things has that has that synth vibe to it. That's what they're trying to capture. You know, the the sense that the synth soundtracks of like a scanners or. You know, uh, or, or another, you know, a Stephen King novel that's been adapted into a film, or even like you know John Carpenter, like The Fog, or like this, or like Halloween, or you know any mm-hmm. of his films. And I kind of like the idea of the director being a musician or a, a you know a somewhat of a musician and kind of doing his own music. I kind of like that for some reason. I it's like you know, if anybody well. knows how this <laughs> scene should feel, he knows how it feels. You know, right. 
But anyway, yeah. I, I didn't I didn't mind that stuff at all. I thought it was great. And I want I wanted to say something too. Um, like you were talking about Cameron and Carpenter having maybe similar tastes in terms of, you know, you know, not being afraid to, of the dark, so to speak. You know, um, in all of uh, Carpenter's filmography, it's littered with outlaws and antiheroes. Right. Like you're saying earlier, Adrian, people who push against the establishment. You know, even uh, James Woods' character. In vampires is kind of that way, you know, smart aleck, you know, tough guy or whatever, um, you know, who's kind of, you know, living in the underground. And, you know, and, and to an extent, you know, Jack was that way in, in Big Trouble in Little China and, uh, mm-hmm. and and a lot of his characters. So he's, he's not afraid of that. So I think uh, that's a lot of it, uh, a large part of uh, uh, maybe what Cameron, you know, kind of, you know, kind of bonded with him on and certainly took the Terminator and then Terminator 2. And um, and even like the abyss to some extent, you know, and uh, and certainly in aliens too as well, you know, his his version of you know of the alien movie. So, yeah, totally, totally. You know what I'm saying? And you know, and, and getting back to another thing that I said earlier too about you know Carpenter having like a regular troupe of actors that he you know went mm-hmm. back to. You know, first off, I, I I don't think we really mentioned enough about Donald Pleasance as the president. <sighs> No, he was terrible. No. He was terrible. He was awful. No, no, not the uh, 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 English accented president. No, no. You know, no, you know no. what? He's, as it relates, was that what they, is that the accent was? As, you know what? As it relates to that, I was doing some reading, uh-huh. and that, and they were saying that part of the reason why, like, why does the president have an English accent? And they were saying because of the impending war with uh, with Russia and China, the other Westernized you know, countries had bonded together and that America had maybe been adopted back into the UK as, as like a, a British colony situation, uh-huh. which was the reason why a British person could be the president. Like that was that was the best explanation they could come up with other than right. he was a, he was uh, he was an analog for like Richard Nixon or somebody like that. Yeah. And but they're just like, OK, there were tons of American actors to choose from. You could have cast anybody in that part. But anyway, I, I didn't. Right. I hated his performance. He was probably the worst one other than uh, Timmy Herodine. <laughs> oh, man. But, <laughs> but because, yeah, yeah, because he was, you know, in that troop of actors, you know, having come off of Halloween one and two. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you have, mm-hmm. like, you know, other guys like uh, Tom Atkins, a.k.a. Michael Hunsacker from Lethal Weapon. Right, right, right. <laughs> You can kill him, Raj. You can do it. You can kill him. You're a cop. You can kill him. <laughs> but, you know, he was good as, you know, kind of the right-hand man for Hawk, you know. And then Charles Cyphers, who I think was the Secretary of State to the president, you know. Yeah. So it's all these no, familiar... Sec- Secretary of New York State. Oh, That okay. was his official title. All right, good the Secretary right. of New York State. <laughs> Do you not feel this world building, man? This is all world building. <laughs> I mean, this is. <laughs> you know what? That's my thing. Like one of my big takeaways, uh, you know, watching the movie uh, uh, today was, you know, seeing it again mm-hmm. is it's a high concept world. Very high concept world. But the plot is super simple. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, like you never, you never, you never, you, you never get lost on what's going on and what has to happen. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Snake has got to get in here. He's got to fight with these these guys who might be worse than he is. He's got to get the president out some kind of way, and then he's got to get the X-rays on his neck to kill those uh, those capsules. Otherwise, he's a dead man, and the clock is right. ticking. Right. That's it. Mm-hmm. Very very simple. Very very direct. And yet the world is very high concept. Okay, the island of Manhattan is a prison. Uh, they just fucking said, like the fact that the whole country just said, man, fuck New York, yo. <laughs> fuck that <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's right. a toilet. We're going to put all the turds in it. You know, like. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. It's crazy. Yeah, man. And, it, and, it, and it, in a lot of ways, it was, it, was a, it was a precursor to 9-11, man. I mean, you look, if you look at, you look at like how the, the terrorists that took over the, took over the plane was actually went and crashed into a building in New York City. Yeah. So it was, it was eerily. It was eerie for me. It was like, wow, that's, that's kind of fucked up. Yeah. But, um, and, and, but and you got a chance to do the, the Twin Towers and things, too. It's really, uh, that, 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 was a, that was a, the fact that it was a target, a landing strip for, for, for Snake was like, wow, I, I forgot about that part of it. You yeah. Know? So it was, it, it, was, it was good, man. And I, and I like, I understand the world, I, I love world building, especially if it's done, if it's done well. And, and, and it was done well. I just think a lot, a lot of my, my takeaways some play, some, in some instances were, were some of the performances, like Donald Pleasance's. Um, I did like the guy, the crazy uh, Billy Idol-looking motherfucker. Yeah, was, Frank was, Romero. Was, was, Romero. Yes. Romero. Romero, is that what's it? <laughs> look, look. He was... Romero looked good. like a, a damn rogue from, from MJ's thriller video, yo. <laughs> like a rogue extra. Yeah. <laughs> look, look, looking like a damn... Uh, Blonde Goku on crack with that hair. Blonde Goku. <laughs> <laughs> Super Saiyan. <laughs> that one scene, like when he was like, <clears throat> you have 30 seconds. If you don't get out of here, if you touch me, he dies. If you, if you don't leave, he dies. 28 seconds. <laughs> 25 seconds. Come on, come on, All let's, right, get out of here. All right, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> He's serious, Look, right? <laughs> and then there was one point uh, when they went to the uh, to the uh, railroad, and uh, and and uh, I think Duke and somebody else, and then and then Romero, they get off of the train. And Romero gets mm-hmm. off the train and he goes and puts his hand up like he's looking. And he puts a hand out behind him, like, <laughs> like for no reason, and then just walks off. I was like, what is this dude on? And even when when Brain tricked him and stabbed him in the way he died. Ah, uh. ah, <laughs> <laughs> but did you also notice that in that same scene, um, when they're at the train yard and the Duke, Isaac Hayes, was there, he would mimic what Isaac Hayes would do like just a second after it. If Isaac Hayes put yeah. his hand mm. up like that, then a second later, you see behind him, Romero would do the same thing. Yes. Little touches <laughs> like that, and for those that don't know, that's Frank Doubleday, who was also a regular, you know, in Carpenter's early movies. Um, he was the mm. one of the gang leaders in Assault on Precinct Thirteen, you know, and he also died okay. in that one as well, early on. Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, man. You gonna die today? <laughs> Kurt Russell was being interviewed and in, uh, about the movie, and he was saying that, uh, yeah, he said Frank Doubleday's performance as Romero was so weird and strange. He said, you know, and it, but he was talking about how it was just so brave because he's like, nobody really understood what he was going for. But, right. but it strangely worked. It strangely uh-huh. worked where you was like, okay, I don't want to be around this guy at all. You know, like, and obviously right. that's kind of what he was trying to project. You know, he's not the biggest guy in the world by, by, by a stretch. So he was just... So a, a lot was, of ways, man, 
I agree with you, man. I agree with you. In a lot of ways, his, his performance, it felt more cyberpunky than than any of the cyberpunky stuff that was in there. Mm-hmm. Like his, his stuff felt more genuine because he was so far out there that, 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 that like, you felt like this guy was, was always on the edge. Like, you could freak out and, and slit your throat at any, any point in time, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm sure he's probably going to cut the finger off for the president. You know, that, that's his thing. That's what he would do. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, if I can, if I can, Adrian, I had, uh, two points I wanted to, to, to kind of bring up was, um, you know, we've talked about doing like, you know, addressing like certain genres of films on the show, you know, movies that kind of fall within a bucket, you know, of having, you know, similar, uh, being in a similar genre. Escape from New York is, it's a dystopian, you know, action, you know, police state film, but it's, it's an all in one night film. Like you talked about earlier. Where essentially everything has to happen basically by you know almost like by before sunup. It's like twenty four before twenty four, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 20, exactly. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. And it's also a time is running out movie. Yeah, you know where you've got to, you know you've got to be watching the clock, and he's you know he's got to be aware of the time, and you know even when he you know he gets knocked out or whatever, and he's trying to get his 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 uh his clock back for his, or his his wristwatch back so he can keep track of of time. But the other thing I thought too, man, was um, like you mentioned earlier, Adrian, about when they say, you know, hey, I thought you were dead. You know, there's probably seven or eight people say that to him throughout the course of the movie. You're Snake Plissken, ain't you? What do you want? Nothing. I thought you were dead. Wait a minute. I know who you are. Yeah, but I heard you were dead. Yeah, and like Adrian talked about earlier with the uh, the bank robbery in Atlanta, um, and I and maybe I hope I'm not spoiling something you were going to bring up later. No, please go ahead. They actually did shoot the bank robbery scene where he and I believe it is Brain. They they robbed the 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 Federal Reserve, and it's shot in Atlanta, and they wanted to shoot it in Atlanta because they wanted it to get on Atlanta's mar- modern train. That's right, the martyr train. Like when I saw the footage, mm-hmm. I was like. Is that Marta? That's Five Points. <laughs> and he shot it at Five Points, yo. That's Five Points <laughs> Station. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So they shot that scene and then they played it for test audiences and it kind of confused them. So they edited that part out and basically you just have him being taken into custody and then he encounters Hout and then he goes on the adventure and that's it. But I, my point is, is throughout the course of the movie when people are saying, hey, I thought you were dead. Hey, aren't you Snake Pliston? Hey, I thought you were dead. I thought you were dead. All of that adds to the myth making and to the backstory of who the character is where you're like, okay, this motherfucker must be something else because everybody thinks he died and yet he survived and they're all amazed by it. So you're kind of building his character in a very subtle way without overtly doing so. You know what I mean? And I thought that that was pretty cool. You know, because I kept thinking, why do they keep doing this over and over and over again? And then you realize, okay, this guy is bigger in these people's imaginations than he he may actually have been in real life, you know, to some yeah. extent. But didn't somebody say you didn't? Didn't somebody say some, some character mention some about somebody being shorter than I thought you were, or or, or, or taller than I thought you were? Some, some, some I, I think it's Maggie. Movie. Maggie says that, or something like that. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Like 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 the movie is very very tight and you know runs very briskly. It's at 99 minutes so it's feature length you know and there's very little mm-hmm. fat to it you know once the train leaves mm-hmm. the station it's going you know what i'm saying yeah. that's one of the things yeah. that i love mm-hmm. about it. it has an urgency to it 
know, hence the, the, the time limit on it and, you know, other things that really propel it forward, you know. And, and one of the other mm-hmm. things I wanted to mention before, you know, we get ready to wrap up, you know what I'm saying, with a couple of your last points, Swizz, is that going back once again to the tightness of the cast, isn't it kind of amazing that Carpenter was able to work with two of his ex-wives at the same time on this movie. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Angel Barbeau. Wow. Yeah. And he was mm-hmm. also married for a time to Deborah Hill, you know, prior to mm-hmm. this. Cool. You know what I'm saying? Damn. And they still worked it out. And um, I have a book, you know, um, here at the house I've had for a few years, you know, um, called On Set with John Carpenter. And it's a collection of stills by his official stills photographer. I think it's um, Kim... Gottlieb Walker, and she put out a great book. I, I highly recommend it. And so they have commentary with a lot of the pictures, you know, to kind of say what was going on. And every picture you see in the escape um, portion, you know, it's everybody's having a great time. You know, um, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, Barbeau and Carpenter were married then, so they're hugged up and everything. But Carpenter says at the time he didn't, him and Barbeau. They had tried to stay away from each other because they didn't want that type of nepotism or favoritism to kind of seep in. Mm. But eventually, after like two days of that, they're like, nah, nah, fuck it, fuck it. We just, whatever, we're we're married. Okay, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) But he was able to work with everybody else and everyone else says it was great working with Carpenter on the set because he was able to direct, but he didn't have that director streak. Like he was in control, of everything he knew exactly what he wanted but he still engendered a a fun atmosphere there and they got mm-hmm. the work done and i think it shows in the final product you know what i'm saying very much so mm-hmm. even as dour mm-hmm. and as dark as the movie is there still is mm-hmm. a mischievousness to it and there are pictures in that book that show like <laughs> that young carpenter just looking mischievous like it <laughs> Like, he, like, oh boy, this boy about to get in some trouble. What, what now, John? <laughs> but I love that. I love that. I love those pictures. Mm-hmm. Man, but, but go mm-hmm. ahead, Swiss. Um, I was just going to say, um, as far as the cast is concerned, like, Isaac Hayes, and I talked, I mentioned it, uh, earlier in the conversation, but, you know, like, I knew him from, like, Truck Turner. Yes. <laughs> you know, but. I mostly knew him from Rockford Files, where he would call him Rockfish. Remember rock that? Fish. Yep, Rockfish. Okay. He would call him Rockfish. <laughs> and I thought he had good chemistry with James Garner back in the day. Um, hmm. I knew Lee Van Cleef had been in westerns, but I, I oh, sure. you know, I didn't, I didn't see High Noon or any of that he, stuff. I saw the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. He's, he's also the master, yo, in the eighties. Yeah. Came out in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. That was an awesome awesome show, yeah. Um, And Harry Dean Stanton was in, like, Godfather 2, Cool Hand Luke. I didn't remember him from Cool Hand Luke, and I've seen Cool Hand Luke several times, but I I didn't remember him from that. And, of course, he was in in Alien later on. But um, Pretty in Pink, yo. Yeah, yeah. One of my personal favorites. (laughs) Oh, was he in Pretty in Pink? Yeah, he was a father. Oh, I didn't remember he's, that he's, either. He's, he's, okay, he's, he's, and his father. Yeah, man. Okay, yeah, man. It's great. But um, but uh, some trivia. Uh, you know, I like to dig dig up my trivia, yo, because I'm yeah, always right, fascinated right. by trivia. Uh, cool. The scene from the poster for for Escape from New York, 
Not in the movie. Never happens in the movie. You know, with the Statue of Liberty head falling yeah. over? And that, yeah. that would have been a dope yeah. image had yeah. that been in the movie. That yeah. would have been fantastic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. But it's like, never like in the you movie. Say, guys. Very expensive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the model that they built for New York City was also used in Blade Runner later on. Mm. Mm. They also lit and used part of that for uh, for the city in Blade Runner. Uh, okay. We talked about the bank robbery scene. Uh, the studio originally wanted to cast for the character of Snake Plissken. They wanted Charles Bronson and Tommy Lee Jones. Mm, but now Tommy Lee Jones. Well, not, young Tommy Lee Jones choice. in that in that Executioner song movie or whatever it was that he did, where he played the serial yeah. killer. Maybe that vibe. Yeah. Right, but not. But definitely not Charles Bronson. Yeah, Charles Bronson no. was a little longer <laughs> no. than two. That would have been a totally different yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah, and Carpenter was against wanting to hire a a big name actor to play Snake Plissken because he felt like the actor's <laughs> weight would would you know he would be overcome by that you know yeah. even though he was the young hotshot coming off of Halloween he felt like a big name actor would push their weight around and he would lose control of the film so he wanted somebody who was not on his level but who could actually pull the part off and he fought for uh, for Kurt Russell to be cast. As uh, as Pliskin and Kurt was trying to shake off all of that kid role, nice guy, handsome, golden boy, surfer boy looking. Vibe. He wanted to cast all that off, and even the yeah. movie that he did that came out right before this was Used Cars. Oh yeah, sure was. You're yes. right, right. Yeah. Which which was a really good. I remember it being really funny. You know, R rated movie, like a dirty, dirty R rated movie. But he that actually came out the year before this did. That's right. In a, and probably another example of him trying to shake off, you know, the shaggy DA or you know, you know, any of that stuff that he, he had done. <laughs> shaggy DA, yeah. wow. How you going back? Yeah. I don't even know if he was then. in the shaggy DA, but I just that's that's just the funniest. That Disney, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like when I think this old Disney movies, I think the shaggy DA and Escape from Witch Mountain. Those are the two that I think of. <laughs> when I think of back in the day, <laughs> you know, you know what's funny, man. That you, that you mentioned, you mentioned uh, Disney. You think about the, the correlation between Disney and, and now that his son Wyatt mm-hmm. is is taking up the mantle of, of, of a new action hero in, in, in Captain America: Winter Soldier. Or oh, sorry, the the Falcon: The Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, you can see like certain aspects of his face and his jawline remind they remind me of his father. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, wow, and, and his yeah. well, certain yeah, inflections that's, that's, of his voice right. too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, I was kind of impressed by that. Yeah, he he definitely sounds like his pops. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys noticed it, but the intro of the movie, it's all credits. There are no images. It's just the credits, and that's it. And that's something they kind of mm-hmm. did more back in the seventies and eighties, and do less of it now. It seems, but that was a big thing. It was just no. Here's who's in the movie. You're not gonna show you anything. Okay, now here's the film, uh, which I thought was interesting. Um, Speaking of actors who are from the the Carpenter, you know, uh, camp, so to speak, his squad, Jamie Lee Mm. Curtis did the voiceover narration in the movie. Attention, you are now entering the debarkation area. No talking, no smoking. Follow the orange line to the processing area. The next scheduled departure to the prison is in two hours. You now have the option to terminate and be cremated on the premises. If you elect this option, notify the duty sergeant in your processing area. 
she was the announcer talking about the island is surrounded by this and that. And if you if, oh. you, if you choose to be cremated, you can be cremated here yes. and not go to the <laughs> island. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, 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 thought, I found that, that particular part to be a little, a little jarring. You know, like it was, it was kind of weird. It was like, yes. it was weird. I'll put, I like, what the hell? It freaked me out, too. And it kind of speaks to what Adrian was saying about the whole thing of world building, where, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's treated like, okay, this is like a, like an airport, and this could be your last stop, or you could go right. on to the next stop, you know, and end up in New, in New York State Penitentiary, you know? Right. It's like, God damn, damn wow. But, um... Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, but that that was it for the trivia. But I th- I thought all that stuff was really interesting. I got um, one more piece of trivia for you. Yeah, okay. the okay. band that is playing when Snake goes to the theater, Carpenter and his band are in there. Carpenter is sitting there playing on the guitar. <laughs> you can see him clearly. It's like, hey, they go John Carpenter, wow. <laughs> and, and, wow. and his co-writer and collaborator Nick Castle, aka The Shape mm. from Halloween. Yes. Yeah. He choreographed that whole that whole sequence, you know, of the okay. dudes dressed okay. up in drag and singing. Vaudeville. Warriors, great. Da, 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 Yeah, so it's like, man, these dudes really had a hand in shaping a lot of the movie, and that's just so cool, man. Very cool. Did you check out, did y'all check out the lyrics to the song they were singing? Like, isn't yeah, that a real song? song? No, it's not. No. A, it can't be a real song. It's I'll like say steal a truck and you end up here and you get fucked. Stab a priest <laughs> right, right. and you'll be here like me. Fuck a duck. <laughs> I mean, it was just the craziest. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, the, crazy shit. The craziest lyrics you have, you ever heard. But um, I did want to throw out a theory. Okay. Okay. Just in, in, indulge your indulge your brother for for a minute. This is this okay. is a theory. Okay. All right. You can you got you six can, minutes. You, six minutes. Right. <laughs> it might even take six. It might not even take six minutes. You could almost make a comparison and say that Escape from New York is analogous to the Messiah story. Okay. You got to you got to explain yourself, Ricky. Okay. All right. All right. All right. You got to explain the right. dude. Not not now. I have your attention. Okay. Right. It's, this is a loose one. Now it's a loose one. Okay. The world is in chaos. It's on the brink of war. Okay. Humanity might be lost if the Soviets and the Chinese go to war with the Western world. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hulk is God, and he sends in a sacrifice to save the world. He doesn't even expect Snake to come back. He just wants the president in that tape back. But he's willing to sacrifice this guy to save the world and to bring it back from the brink of destruction. Snake enters into the world mysteriously. The people in the world don't know how he got there. Jesus was born by, a, by an immaculate conception. Remember, they couldn't figure out, how did he get here? Mm-hmm. He couldn't fly in the Central Park. He couldn't do this. He enters the world mysteriously. The entire time he's in the world, people are telling him, I thought you were dead. I thought you were dead as if he came back to life (laughs) throughout the course of the movie. Snake is very, you know, as a character, he's transgressive. He doesn't like authority. Uh The character of Jesus in the Bible in many places pushes against the strictures of the, of the overly religious and, 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 and those who are trying to be, you know, who are in, who are in charge. You know, he, 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 he says things that go directly against 
you know, the mores and, and, the, and, the, and the social ways of his time. And then last okay. but not least, just like Jesus, he's constantly telling people what to call him. They're constantly saying, hey, aren't you this? Like in the Bible, people kept telling Jesus, aren't you? They say you're this. They say you're the son of man. Aren't you this? Well, who do you think I am? And, and Jesus tells mm -hmm. them, I am this. I am that. And Snake constantly tells people, call me Snake. And then finally, at the end of the movie, he tells uh, Hauk, call me Pliskin. My name is Pliskin. Pliskin. <laughs> right. What do you think? Hmm, man, I was, you had me, I was up and down like the screen machine, man. You had me like, I don't know, yo. Ah, that, you, you posit some, you posit some good theories in there. You were stretched like Mr. Fantastic, but you posited some. Come on. <laughs> but, Interesting. Interesting, though. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, what you think, I B? Mean, uh, I, I, I give you some of those, some of those, those, uh, those faraway stretches, man. I, I give you that, and I, I, I can, I can see, you know, certain uh, thematical uh, um, structures in place that you could say that. Yeah, I, I, I give you that. That, that's, that. I know what. I give you credit because it's artistic. Now, ah! artistic. <laughs> it's not right. But it's creative. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It works. It, it works. You know. Uh, but I mean, there are, some, there are some striking similarities in there. So I, I follow along with, you, with your logic. You know, that's what it takes. Yeah. Good. <laughs> uh, well, I think I think obviously in any movie, there's always like a hero who's going to save the people. You know, even the story right. of Jesus is is analogous to other heroes that you know from other mythologies. You know, Hercules was a mm -hmm. champion of the people. His father was a mm -hmm. god. His mother was an earth woman. He went amongst the people and he you know he uh, committed great feats. So, you know, mm -hmm. you can say that about a lot of different characters. So it was definitely a stretch mm -hmm. like Plastic Man or Mr. Fantastic. But uh, <laughs> right. uh, but some it was fun. It was fun, though. It was fun, though. Some other movies that came out in 81, American Pop, American Werewolf in London, Body Heat, The Evil Dead, mm -hmm. Heavy Metal, Mad Max well, 2, man, I... The Road Warrior. Okay. The Road Warrior. Right. Nighthawks. Humongous. Wolf God. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Porkies. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, with my Can boy Meat. Fall. Remember they had a character called Meat? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, scanners. Taps. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. Thief came out in 81, <laughs> and Time Bandits came out in 81. And don't forget... Okay. A big one. Raiders, Raiders of, of the, the Lost, Lost Ark. Ark. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which we're also going to do a uh, a deep dive anniversary discussion on as well. So. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. Y'all ready for your, your top three carpenters? Yeah, yo, let's close it on yeah, now. Man. Yes, sir. All right. All right. All right. I'm, I'm going to go first. Andrew, we're going to let you go last. It, Dwight, you can, you can hold up the mid-second, all right? There you okay. go. All, all right. right, cool. All right, I, I call me Atlas, yo. My my top three <laughs> is, of course, the first one's Halloween. Oh, okay. yes, yeah, without question, Halloween, without question. That was the baptism for me. Second mm. is going to be the thing. Mm. Another movie with Kurt Russell. That scene where the dude is is putting the uh, the defibrillator on dude's chest, and the chest turns into a big mouth and bites his Ow. arms off. Ow. Oh my yeah. god, that's my shit, yo. That's my shit, and of course, Childs and. You know, all the other characters. I just think it's just a great movie. It's just it's the perfect version of Ten Little Indians. And then last but not least, might be a surprise. They live. 
Ah, okay, okay. okay. They I live. That's, that's, you for that, that's my right? number. That's my number three. That's my number three with uh with uh, uh Rowdy Roddy Piper and uh yes uh and with uh Dave Keith Davis. Excuse me, Keith yeah. David. Yeah, you, you, you quote that all. You quote that all the time. You know, I can't. I came here to do two things. Chewing bubble gum and, and kicking ass. I'm all out chewing. I'm all, all out of bubble yeah. gum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, go ahead. Go ahead, D. Uh, I think for me, it's it's probably. So I often get, often get my 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 young adult uh, or my young pre adult. Uh, I, I often got Carpenter confused a lot of times with Stanley Kubrick, because of the pacing. And the subject matter was always kind of dark and and, and sparse. Mm -hmm. So, but upon further, you know, um, you know, recollection, I, I would say probably my my favorite of all time would be the thing, yeah. Okay, would be the thing because okay. be, be, because I, I I like the transformation scenes. Mm. I like not knowing. I like the idea of of this animal that was running through the, through the snow. Carrying the, the virus and carrying the thing inside of it and being being an actual metamorph and, and bringing brought, being brought back innocently into the camp and never really knowing. Um, I, I like I like the like I guess the Tindal Indians. I like the idea of, of people turning against each other. I don't like the idea of people turning against each other. But I like the idea of people like like a constant sense of discomfort and doubt. So I, I would say thing would be my number one. Um, I think I like the fog number two. Okay. Okay. Because okay. because the fog was scary as shit to me. Think think about it, as, a, as a kid, the two thing the two things that, that were scary the most as a kid is what was underneath the bed, and what you, and 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 being in the dark and not seeing what not being able to tell what certain images and shapes were from a distance. Mm -hmm. And the fog encompasses that for me. Like it was a thing where it's like it was, it was something that was constantly moving towards you, it was subtle and slow. But if mm -hmm. you didn't pay attention before you know it, you're right in the middle of this thing. Mm -hmm. You know. So that that would that, that was my thing. And plus, I like the lighthouse sequences too. I, I, I like that. I always I always like the idea and concept of lighthouses. You know, and bringing and bringing safety from to the ships from the shore and things like that, mm. and watching the island and stuff mm, like yeah. that. Mm. And then, um, yeah, and then of course, Escape from New York, because Escape from New York is it's got snake in it and snake Pliskin and it's got snake. My, I I I I value. The idea and concept of, of, of that secret agent type of vibe of, the, of that that person that gets in and that gets in and, and kicks ass and, and takes names is and is known for that, you know. Um, and that's what that's why I like uh, that's why I like uh, Escape from New York. So cool, man. Those are my three. Cool, man. Well, yo, my mm -hmm. my three, man. First off, number one is Halloween. Come on, come on. For the same reason on, as as Swain. Come on. That's just it for right. me. Everything you need to know about no, Carpenter no. is in that. The pacing, just yeah, everything, yeah. the darkness, great. The mischievousness is there. So Halloween number one. Mm -hmm. uh, number two is going to be Escape from New York. I, I, I freaking love that movie. Like right over my desk here, man, I got <laughs> I got my Snake Plissken action figure, yo. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, you know, the listeners can't see it, That's but yeah, up. I'm holding up my Snake Plissken little action figure, yo. All right. Nice. That's yeah, nice, man. yo. That's cool, man. It is, yo. It but is, that's yo. but that's my number two, and for all the for all the reasons that we've been discussing for the past hour, it's why I love that movie and more. You know what I'm saying? Now, number three, I'm kind of conflicted with. Um, on most days, it's going to be Big Trouble in Little China. You know, just a okay. fun ass yes, movie. Sounds good too. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely too. fun. Yeah. But then there are other days where my number three would be the original Assault on Precinct Thirteen. 
you know. Mm. And I think that's one that's overlooked in the Carpenter, you know, over, over, mm -hmm. however you say it, uh, body of work, mm -hmm. you know, because it has everything. <laughs> it's sparse. It has that darkness. It has the wise ass mm. quips. It has the anti-hero mm. as well as a mm. protagonist, which at this time was a, a black man, which was kind of rare in those days, even in the midst of like black exploitation. We're talking 76 mm -hmm. and just coming out of black exploitation. And you have this stand up dude, Austin Stoker, as the protagonist. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's just a great movie, you know, great movie, lighting, everything about it. So those are my three. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I guess four, but, mm -hmm. you know, y'all can allow me a little allowance there, you know. <laughs> you know, I, I will say this, man, as far as my favorite soundtrack goes for any Carpenter movie, it's definitely Halloween. Oh, you sure. sold that, man. Oh, yeah. That, those, 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 the, the, the tickling of the keys, man. Yeah. And do, 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 do. That shit was so eerie, man. And so dead on. Yeah. I mean, if you know nothing else about, about, about John Carpenter, it's, it's, that, it's, it's that, that song along that, that will sell you in terms of the, the darkness that's inside of his little crazy mind, you know? Yeah, and that, that <laughs> was a popular uh, backbeat, too, in the 90s, too. They, when they spin up that. Get him up. Get him up. Man, I see using really well too, man. I loved it. Man. I guess I guess it might be fair to say that uh, Halloween is our A number one. <laughs> you're number one you're ain't number one the, the big man uh. the big man <laughs> oh. Oh. Like, no no donald pleasance yo the the president went the fuck off on isaac hayes at the end of that movie <laughs> that motherfucker yeah, i want to have to yo you you got me hemmed up like jesus shooting at me right right i'd have blew his fucking ass away too yeah, now, yeah. you know what yeah, was yeah. interesting about that was was that I didn't know this until I reread it in that book I was mentioning earlier. Donald yeah. Pleasance was a fighter pilot was a fighter pilot in World War II. He was an RAF pilot. Okay. And he was I a heard, prisoner. Yeah, read, wow. Yeah, he was a I prisoner. I read that of war. too. Yeah. 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 Damn. So yeah. when they when, yeah. so when Carpenter was like, you know, we want you to use this machine gun in like the last scene to you know shoot the dude. He was like, but no problem, give me. <laughs> Just I, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, that dude. <laughs> Man, he lit him up, yo. Dang. He lit, he lit his ass up, yo. Up, you know what we so we didn't get to mention? I had I had it written down, but sir, that that snake tattoo on on Russell's stomach. That was very homoerotic, yo. That was very... It really was, yo. Very fetishy. Straight phallic, yo. Very like... Straight phallic, yo. Yeah, I was like... like who oh, thought that? And it wasn't what even a good tattoo. It looked like they just took yeah. like charcoal and just drew like what they thought a snake would... And that was it. That's that jailhouse like, tattoo, yo. That's that... That's that fulsome... That San Quentin tattoo, yo. Pelican Bay. <laughs> sing, sing, goddamn. <laughs>
That concludes this episode of Sidebar Forever, hosted by Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrian Johnson. You can find us online at sidebarforever.com. Any emails or questions can be directed to us at sidebarforever at gmail.com. And also, subscribe to us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram.